This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to Five on Three, WFE's best, if only, hockey podcast. It is Friday, February 2nd, 2024. In the midst of All-Star break, I'm joined by two good friends, James Burley, Michael Matuch. Guys, how's everything? Everything is fantastic. It's Hockey All-Star Week. It's time to breathe, time to relax, time to enjoy some uh, some of the world's best on the global stage. So I'm having a good time. I'm having a good week. It's Friday. How could you not be excited? Things are great. I mean, seeing all the stars on the ice, seeing all, everyone just come together, it's always a special time of year. Always a special time of year. We got two quick housekeeping things we got to do right away because we care about our, our five-on-three community, our hosts. I say first and foremost, James Burley got a job with North American yeah. Soccer Reporters. <laughs> big time stuff, kid. Thank you, thank you, man. Uh, it's it's not so big a deal, but I appreciate the recognition. That uh, thank you guys. Well that deserved. It's well deserved. You work hard for it. We're gonna give you the recognition. Thanks, brother. And appreciate you. Our wonderful producer Ralph Barbieri, a huge part yeah. of Five and Three behind the scenes. It was your Woo! birthday a couple days ago, so happy birthday, brother. The Pod Father himself. It's you know it doesn't get talked about enough how great of a job. Ralph does behind the boards, one of our best. So we always appreciate you, man. And uh, we're gonna start this show off, I think, in a little bit of an odd way. Usually we come right at the gate with locals, but I think we picked a heck of a time to record today, eleven thirty on a Friday. A couple days ago, news comes out about Elias Lindholm trade. Now, I would say probably about ten twenty minutes before we start recording, we get word that Sean Monahan's going to Winnipeg. So I think you know you're starting to see. The teams that are going to be buyers, they're making themselves very clear. The teams that are going to start selling, your Calgary's of the world, your Montreal's of the world, well, you're going to start to see those pieces go. And those are two very big pieces, especially for a year where the center market, very thin. And look at the two teams that are making deals. Those are probably, you could make the case as one and two in the league at the moment in Winnipeg and Vancouver. Although Winnipeg going into the All-Star break with three straight losses, they lost that top spot in the Central but they're playing some unreal hockey. Top to bottom, that team was already filled up with some pretty talented pieces. Now they strengthen the centerpiece a little bit more with someone who can play 200-foot game and became a fan favorite in Montreal, even though he didn't play there for more than, I think, a full season of games, despite being there a couple years. And I guess the Calgary Flames you know, off-sale is going on for players who were there recently and aren't even there anymore. So the Flames are in an absolute debacle, and the top of the Western Conference is just picking at the scraps. No, I had a lot higher expectations for the Flames coming into the season. And seeing them sit at, we're what, 500 now? I think they're 500. They're not. They're, they're, they're NHL not, 500. No, and yes. Oh, man. Yeah, so they have more OT losses. But, point. Yeah. but, no, but seeing, I guess, the Canucks and the Jets just sort of taking over and taking charge in this league and seeing the rich get richer, it's going to be uh, fun watching them down the stretch and seeing how they just sort of, Keep improving. Keep being a wagon. And, and and like neither of those teams we expected to be that good. Yeah, Vancouver yeah. and Winnipeg yeah. both. So I, I think I literally came on here and said that like we all agree Winnipeg's going to be awful, right? And that's been exactly the opposite. Now I'm not sure that people saw what Vancouver was going to do either. I mean they've had by the numbers and honestly by the eye test too the best and most explosive offense. Oh yeah. In mm-hmm. hockey, I think mm-hmm. I even I said off here. Listen, they gave up a lot to get Lindholm and that is I think you could even make the case that what Winnipeg gave up to get uh Monahan I mean let's the, the, the Lindholm yeah. deal is Andre Kuzmenko 
who was awesome last year. He's struggling a little bit this year, 21 points through 43 games. But, I mean, you look at what he did last season. He looks like a really good, young, promising player. Two other good prospects and a first-rounder. And then even Monaghan is a first-rounder this year, a third-rounder in 2027 that centers are commanding very high prices. But I think this is the win- the the teams that are in their win-now window uh, recognizing that and, and going all out and strengthening themselves down the middle. And not for nothing, I know that it's been a really tough year for Lindholm, but I think if there's anyone that makes a move for a guy like that, it's got to be a team like Vancouver that already mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. that stuff working out. Where I mean, that Pedersen-Miller-Besser line, that's one of the best lines in hockey right now. So it's like y- y- you can add to that down do, the do middle. Do you break that line up now? I, I wouldn't. I watched yeah. them play against the Rangers, and I, I think they scored like three or four goals. And obviously it was a big day for mm-hmm. Vancouver when they played the Rangers. But like I wouldn't mess with that line at all. But I do think if there's a team that can afford to take a flyer on a guy like Lindholm, who we've seen play excellent hockey but is – probably playing the worst hockey of his career, still a talented guy. It's a team like Vancouver that doesn't necessarily need him to be great to still be successful. Right. Again, the Rangers were connected to Lindholm, and that was that was the guy a lot of fans were, cl- fans were clamoring for, and a guy that are like, that'd be the perfect guy to stick behind Mika and Trocek. And I, I wasn't sure because you would have to bank on him to be successful, whereas Vancouver, I think, can get by if he isn't. But if they get him right, oh my gosh, how much better can Vancouver get? And look, I'll I'll tell you what, you kind of hit the nail on the head where Lindholm doesn't have to, you know, be a point per game player for this team to really uh, feel the benefits of having him. Um, they're already at the top of the Pacific and they're going to stay there for a while, I think. And, you know, I had them in sixth place before the season started. I had Winnipeg in eighth place before the season started in each of their divisions, respectively. This is the sort of move that you make when you feel like you have a chance to be a cup contender. And that is... Really inspiring for the city of Vancouver, who the last time they were there, they started a riot because they lost a Game 7. <laughs> so I think the the hope in the city is good. It's a hockey-crazy area, and I'm very happy to see. I actually am. I'm very excited to see what the Vancouver Canucks can do down the stretch. This is a great move, and they actually ended up clearing more cap space than they brought in. So I think it's a great move for both teams, really, because the Flames were not going to go anywhere, and they kind of have to commit to this rebuild now. It was already the writing was on the wall, and I think you know the next guy's you know, Hannah Fintana, those guys are following. So uh, it's an absolute fire sale in the f- for the Flames, no, pun fully intended. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what Elias Lindholm can do now that he's got some good hockey players around him and might be in a bit more of a uh, comfortable scenario. And I think Vancouver really are going to be in it to as late in the season as possible. It's going to be enjoying to watch. Uh, Canadian teams hopefully have some success, but we know yeah, all, all in all it's going to come back down to Canadian teams losing in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and America keeps the Stanley Cup. That's like we deserve. So yeah. <laughs> Edmonton second round exit's guaranteed. Uh, even like Winnipeg, they're two points out of first place in the Central. The Central that top three is super tightly Insane. packed together. Yeah. I, I Monahan is a guy that probably again. Not having the best season of his career right now, and I, I'm not sure that I would have wanted to give up that package if I were as a Rangers fan. But I, I do like the idea of man, Winnipeg's been awesome. I I do think that there's still probably room to improve their roster. Where I, I think when we talk about they're surprising people, I think it's because their roster has been overperforming to a certain extent. Where it's yeah, bolster it up a little bit and make sure that you can hang with the Vancouver's of the world, the Vegas's of the world. Even the like the Avs are are, are getting going in January, and that's like. Those are going to be tough teams to go against. That yeah, strengthen your middle a little bit. 
Uh, I think Monahan's a guy that's proven he he can be an offensive weapon, a guy that can spark some stuff. That I I really do like that move. It makes sense for Winnipeg. And Mark Scheifele's injured, so right. down the middle they don't look as strong on paper as they do on the wings or on the blue line. Definitely, I mean Josh Morrissey's injured too, and it makes sense that they suffered a tiny bit of a slide heading into the All Star break with those names out. Um, I expect them to come back right where they left off though and hit the ground running. And a guy like Sean Monahan is you know that's that's an experienced guy who's who's not. Necessarily, you're going to not rely on him for a point per game. And even if Elias Lindholm is that much better than him, you're not going to rely on him for a point per game either. Sean Monaghan is not expected to come in and be your point getter. You have Kyle Connor, you have Nikolai Ehlers, you don't need him for that. You have Nemestikov, Perfetti, and when Shifley comes back, he's going to be one of the best two-way centers, one of the best two-way forwards, I'd say, in my entire lifetime. Um, you say that they're overperforming. They certainly are to a degree, but I would argue that in the past few years, they've been underperforming. These, That's also true. They, yeah. they, they, they committed to these, uh, these veterans that they had um, in conjunction with one another, and people criticized them for it, but I have to give them credit. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, it's working out, and these are guys that we've known for a while are super talented and can be the face of hockey teams. With that said, they hadn't done it for a long time, and they looked embarrassing in the playoffs at times when they would scrape in, but now it's working, and we all had to kind of bite our tongue saying that this team was – you know, overperforming for many years, but I would argue that they underperformed, and right now yeah. maybe they're overperforming a little bit. How big was trading Luke Dubois? The yeah. way he, oh the way God. he's been playing with with LA, like that almost seems like such a blessing and not a curse at all. And you saw Drew Doughty's quote about how there are some guys in this locker room in LA who aren't there for the right reasons, and I think Dubois probably PLD is probably towards the top of that list. Uh, Nick Palmer also had some choice words about Kevin Fiala <laughs> last week. Um, I, I made I wanted him to respond to that quote, and I got some good reactions from Mr. P, who couldn't be with us this week. Oh, that's a shame. I mean, we we are the deadline is the initial trade deadline is March eighth, and I do think that you can make a case that these will be two of the biggest moves that we'll see probably this yeah. season, just because. Again, I think it's a really good transition into the Rangers when you look at, well, Philip Hill suffered a setback in practice a few days ago, and they've ruled him out for this season. That was something that I think the, brutal. the Rangers are really banking on the hope that Hedl could progress well and come back and be that guy on your third line, pair him with Cooley and Kako, and that might give them an offensive jolt in their bottom six, especially with the Mika Kreider line struggling at even strength. and. With Hedl out, I think a lot of fans feel like there's a big need at center. They need to strengthen themselves down the middle. And it's it's a bad year to be looking for a center. Like It's almost yeah. like I, I kind of wish that this was the year they could have made that trade for Andrew Kopp where you trade that mm. conditional second rounder that could become a first. There's not really a guy like that out there anymore, especially after Lindholm and Monaghan go off. And I mean, look at what the packages were for them. Like Looking at what... And those aren't yeah. necessarily first-line centers on either the teams are going to. Yeah, and like what Calgary got for Lindholm, if you if you apply that to the Rangers, I mean, that's probably Kako, Jones, Berard, and yeah. a couple draft picks, which is that is a huge haul for a guy that you're not sure is going to be an impact center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Monahan, like, are, are you willing to give up a first and a third for Sean Monahan? I'm not sure. The center market's really shallow where I even think, like, I have my eyes on Nick Dowd. People have talked mm. about Nico Sturm. I'm not as high on him. I, I like Dowd, and I, I think he's playing great two-way game. I think he's had a really good season this year. And even then, like it's probably going to command a first-round pick. 
which is, I think, a tough thing That's, to yeah. hear for a, a guy that you probably don't think about acquiring Nick Dowd and go, yeah, we got to give him a first. But that's where the center market is right now. And the Rangers are in such a tough spot because, as was the case for, I think, every single team in the Metro, at least in, in our local area, January was really tough. It was really tough for the Rangers. They had that bad West Coast slide. I think they go 5-8-1 and one in the month of January. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the losing comes in the second half. And they just... I know they end, they go into All-Star break with a 7-2 win over Ottawa, but, man, they kind of look out of whack right now. Well, I, I think that Ottawa game was a statement. It was sort of a message because, you know, they fell in that comeback loss to the Sharks. That was really demoralizing. And then, you know, you have to host the Golden Knights, and that's never easy. And the Golden Knights were desperate having just lost the night before, I think. So t- to have the Senators as your final game before the All-Star break was sort of a breath of fresh air, and they took it to them. So I think you got to give them credit there. One problem I would highlight, though, if we're going to talk about trades, trade deadline's in a month. Teams like Winnipeg and Vancouver made big moves now mm-hmm. uh, before those guys fell off the market because they're so serious about winning. A team like the Rangers, who is going through a bit of a skid right now, I think should have been calling more GMs more often. And, you know, there's reports that maybe Capo Caco is going to be on the trade block, which is, you know, a bit of a tricky issue to say because has he reached his full potential yet? No. Could he? Very possibly. And he's a role player that you don't want to give up. He's an important guy to have on your team uh, for for obvious reasons. He's a 200-foot player uh, who just hasn't quite hit his stride yet, but he's a guy that you can get some valuable pieces from. But I, but again, if, if the guys that you're looking at are Nico Sturm and Nick Dowd, I'm not really willing to give up a second overall pick for that, uh, let alone a first-round pick mm-hmm. or someone to bring in. With that said, I still think the Rangers are going to be fine. I told Will Jing last the, uh, this this last week, he is so negative. He's been negative. He is it's been so a problem. He, he said the Rangers were uh, a final four team in the NHL, like a bottom four based on their current form. And I I'm like, I don't agree look, with that. Look, they didn't play They're a lot of bad teams. Like, right. I like, look, they didn't play well against the Kings or the Sharks. I, 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 I get that. But, like, come on, they're at the top of one of the toughest divisions in hockey, one of the toughest divisions, I would say, in American sports because of how tight hockey generally is with the parity in the National Hockey League. But they'll be fine, you know. I I think that that they'll figure this out. It doesn't necessarily need to come through a trade either because even though Filipito's going to be out for a long time, I like Johnny Brzezinski. Uh, I don't... I don't think I don't think he's you know the answer long term. I think maybe in the playoffs you might not get as much production as you would have liked, or as, as much as you would get with Hedl in the third uh, uh, center role. But I think Vinny Trocheck has stepped up and has really looked like a top six centerman uh, in ways that I didn't consider him that way before. Mm. So I think the Rangers overall have a really good um, build throughout this roster. You know, despite injury befalling them I think they'll turn this around the only thing is it's not going to be easy because they come out of the break with Colorado and Tampa Bay and Tampa are surging Colorado obviously an absolute wagon so it's not going to be easy for the Rangers but they have enough of a foundation I think that they'll be comfortably in the playoffs if not in first then only narrowly behind Carolina in second in the Metro I feel like that makes a lot of sense for this Rangers team I mean but the thing is, this looking at their past few games, they're kind of in like a streaky situation where they have some for a bit of a skid and a win, two wins. Is that going to be a problem going down the stretch? Because I feel like with any team, you want a consistency. And this is looking more like win-win, lose-lose, win-win, lose-lose. It, it definitely it's an issue of... Uh, it's been a while since I've seen them consistently play the brand of hockey that they want to yeah. play. That that Ottawa game 
was awesome. And even like that first period was awful. And really, what woke them up was that oh, what's Con? I, I you know what? I mean, it, it's ridiculous. That I'm forgetting his name because he saved the season. And I texted you guys about it. Oh my! Was it um? Was it not Cooley? It was Cooley had a big fight in the I think or a big hit in the Ducks game. Uh, Connor Mackey. Connor I'm Mackey. sorry, Connor. Connor Mackey saved the season <laughs> because Brady Kachuk challenged him to a fight on one of those plays where legal hit and you still have to fight the guy, whatever. Yeah. And Mackey, I don't know if he won the fight. He knocked Chuck to the ground, and that got the boys going. And then they went out. And they scored seven unanswered goals. Yeah, that's um, pretty sick. It's it's, it's a going. weird it's a weird spot to be in where I think we're now at the point where. You can have legitimate concerns with this team and not be crazy. There were people during the that awesome winning streak that they had and just that awesome stretch of hockey that were, you know, trying to say like, "Oh, this team is going to fall off." And like, and now they're having a parade on Twitter that they were right about the Rangers having a fall off. And it's like, "Well, people, why are you a fan?" People care more about being right than 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 being a fun fan. It's uh, yeah. especially yeah. in this city, man. And you know, it's annoying sometimes, but you know, you let the fans have their day when they're right, and and they'll enjoy it on Twitter. But you got to remember, Twitter's not real life. Right. I would say that the the average New York Rangers fan right now is very bullish about this team's chances moving forward. Maybe they'd like to see a move akin to that of you know a Lindholm to the Canucks or Monahan to the Jets. But again, I don't think they need that to be a strong playoff team coming out of the Eastern Conference, coming out of the Metropolitan Division. The only team I see in that division right now that can actually compete with the Rangers on a game-by-game basis, is Carolina. The only problem with the Rangers, though, is if you look at some of those games that they've lost in that streak, they're losing to a lot of good teams. That doesn't bode well for the playoffs. Teams that beat good teams, teams that stick with good teams, are the ones that you see going long-term in the playoffs. 6-1 losses and a couple of 5-1, 5-2 losses to Vegas and Carolina, respectively, as not the the type of inspirational results you're going to get. But that said, day-to-day, Ryan Lindgren, out for a little bit, Jacob Truba, and long-term out is Filipito. Those are three big names you're going to rely upon, especially if you're looking about the playoffs. Um, I, I think I'm going to say it again. I've said it all year. I've said it for several years. The strength of the New York Rangers, and like it's always been, though, is always going to be in goal. Yeah. You have Igor Shosturkin. No other team in the NHL does. But, and, but one of the big concerns, and it's weird to say this, has been the goaltending. Igor's coming mm-hmm. off his worth, worst month as an NHL, he had an 8.76 save percentage in the month of January. Yeah, welcome it's, to the club, bro. It's it's weird. I'm still very much on the Igor Shosturkin is a good goalie train. Absolutely. At the same time, I'm watching Igor Shosturkin play a type of hockey that I'm not used to seeing, where he's lacking confidence. He's not aggressive on breakaways. He's getting beat high glove to the point where Stephen Valaket is tweeting about it as something that needs to be fixed. So. I'm not going to sit here and say that everything is fine with Igor Shosturkin. I really hope that this all-star break, that he takes it easy during the Seals competition today and like he gets himself right because the Rangers are going to need him down the stretch. Jack brought up an interesting talking point to me, which is if Igor continues to struggle, do you see the, the game's gap between Igor and Quick start to tighten up where it becomes more of a 50-50 split? And what I keep coming back to is, listen, I appreciate what Jonathan Quick has done at the end of the day, this Rangers team doesn't go anywhere without Igor Shosturkin. And so yeah. it, you you need to put all of your effort into getting him right. The defense in front of him still isn't good. They're allowing the most odd man rushes in the NHL. So that, that's another key issue. I'll worry about the offensive finishing another day. Is it a problem that the only line that can generate on 5v5 is Panarin's line? Probably. Is Mika Zibanejad having one of his worst seasons so far? Probably. 
I have faith that Mika can get right. I'm a little worried with how streaky he's been because we've seen what happens if he's off in the playoffs. But number one priority for me is, hey, let's get Igor back to the goalie that we know he can be, and then we can worry about some of the other stuff. Jonathan Quick is 38? Yeah. He's, he's 30. old guy, he's 30. man. He's here's, here's, here's what I'll say about what Jack, Mr. Jack Warner brought up in terms of do you split the time a little bit more evenly? And the answer is absolutely not. Mm. Because Jonathan Quick has been so valuable because they're not overplaying him. Right. He's yeah. 38 years old. I'm glad you pointed it out before <laughs> I said something. Because he's having the year he's having. He's been the best backup goalie in the National Hockey League, unless you consider Swayman a backup goalie, um, which I certainly They're do not. They're just two starters. They, they have two crazy. starters. They have 1A, 1B. And, you know, the Rangers, for a little while there, thought they had 1A, 1B. But then you got to remember, Jonathan Quick is 38 years old. He's a three-time Stanley Cup champion, but he's 38 years old. And you cannot expect him to carry the load of a 40-game season. Uh, you give him 25 to 30 starts, and you let Igor Cook, and you let him build his momentum back, build his composure back, build his confidence, and give him a run of games where he's going to make some big saves for you. That's how you get your star goaltender back to his best. Not by letting him take more time off and letting the backup who's been around the block here and there to to get it going. I, 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 th- I think the Rangers, again, I think all of these things are going to fall into place somewhat and they will be fine before the playoffs start. However, because they keep losing big games to big teams, I worry about whether or not they can go on a deep run in the playoffs unless they bring in some bigger pieces. Here's the last point I'll make because we talked about how thin the center market is, how expensive at the same time that it is. The lane I've kind of fallen into, and I won't lie, got I was inspired by Greg Kaplan of Blue Shirts Breakaway when he, he threw out this idea. Uh-oh. I would almost they rather go for a top six right winger because it would be cheaper than getting a center. Whether to it's, get Blake Wheeler out of the top six? Uh, not, not even that necessarily, just because I think it might be more impactful to get a guy like Anthony Duclair. I know you can't... Former re- Ranger. It's a lot of former Rangers that I'm about to talk about. But Ranger fans love to ask for former Rangers, and it's awesome. I've never seen a fan base do it like this. But whether it's Duclair, we can't retain Tarasenko's salary a second year in a row, but if we can fit him in, I thought Tarasenko was a good fit last year. St. Louis, if they somehow fall off, Buchanovic would actually be my dream with how well he's played with Mika and Kreider. I don't think the Ducks are trading Vitrano, but that's another name that gets thrown out there. Or even any other right-wingers, Anthony Montha. Having a great year in Washington, has played in the Laviolette before. I like his game a lot. Would it almost be more impactful to get a guy that you could immediately slot in in your top six that might be a better overall hockey player than Nick Dowd or Nico Sturm or whatever third or fourth line center that you're looking at and you might have to give up a first rounder for and say, hey, I think they still need to go get a center because I'm not sure you want Johnny Brodzinski being your third line center come playoffs. But maybe it is. Let's, you know, you take a flyer on a guy that's going to be a little bit cheaper, like below a tier of a, of a Nick Dowd, and, and you get someone that, I don't know, you give up a third rounder or a fourth rounder for you know some center on the, the Blackhawks or something like that. Is it <laughs> worth it because you got a guy that you can slot into your top six that you know might be more offensively productive? I would say it's worth it. I think that's the type of move you have to make. It's, it's not going to come, the success is not going to come through bringing in a guy who's you know, plays the role of a center and you need to fit him into your lineup one for one. You're going to have to be a little creative. I think bringing in a winger, I mean, I not to keep punching down on Blake Wheeler, but I don't think he belongs in a top line for this Rangers team. Definitely not. I, I think that they can absolutely improve on the wings, and I think their center core, for what it's worth, even with Johnny Brzezinski, you can move him out to the wing for someone else if you please. 
I think he's a solid player. I, I, I want him to be on the playoff roster. Yeah, I, I think he's a, he's a hard skater. He's aggressive. I love him. I look at the bottom six of the Rangers, and I see a lot of similarities between both the way the third line and fourth line play and both the way that those guys can be uh, impactful and be effective. I mean, Jimmy Vesey's having a great year. We, we, uh, he scored some big goals in some big games. I mean, and it's exactly the type of output you'd expect him to have, you know, a handful of goals here and there. But I bring him up because we love him so much. Um, I think that there's, yes, they don't have to bring these guys in. I would absolutely be 100%, if I'm a New York Rangers fan, absolutely for bringing in a top six winger. I think they need it. I think they're still kind of pigeon, pigeon, excuse me, pigeonholing Alexi Lafreniere into a position maybe he's not fully ready for. But I think he, in moments he's looked like he can play the part. With that said, one more guy to fill that void could be helpful to even a guy like him. So I, I really like the opportunities that the Rangers have to build the squad. If they don't do it in the next few weeks, though, they're going to run out of players they can pick from. Yeah, definitely will. It's, yeah, you, you bring a, like the bottom six. I do think is better than Ranger fans give it credit for. You, you talk about Blake Wheeler. like it, it does circle back to the Kako conversation where if you get a top six guy, Wheeler's not going to that Goodrow line, and that's like all of a sudden Kako is on your fourth line. I would love that. Like Kako, that would be awesome. I'd like to keep him for the playoffs. We've talked enough Rangers. Let's pivot to the New Jersey Devils. Uh, I sit here in February on February 2nd, All-Star break. The Devils are 24-20-3, 51 points. So they're five points out of third place. They're also tied for second to last with the Capitals. And James, I know we've, we've talked this entire season about what's going wrong with the Devils, where's your panic meter, and I think I made a point probably back in December about at a certain point, you stop talking about the talent of the roster and you start talking about just what they've been doing. And for me, this is that point. We're at all-star break and they're tied for second to last in the Metro. I still think, I'm going to say this team still is talented. This team can still make the playoffs, but you have to start treating it as if you're on the fringes or you're not a playoff team because that's what, that's what it is right now. They're not a playoff team right now, and they haven't been for quite some time. You know, they've been on the brink here and there, and they were holding the second wild card, I think, for maybe two days when they had a couple of games, uh, when they made up some games in hand. For me, it's it's been the same issues all season long. It starts in goal. They haven't been getting saves, and when you don't get saves, you know, low-danger chances turn into medium-danger chances, and medium-danger chances turn into high-danger chances, and high-danger chances turn into goals. <laughs> yeah. So they're not getting a lot of puck luck defensively, but not that they've earned it. You know, they're, they're, they're playing sloppier five-on-five five hockey than they did last year. Um, but with that said, they're still middle of the pack in terms of chances given up per game. In terms of chances four per game, there's only one team in the National Hockey League that creates more high-danger chances than the New Jersey Devils. And they only do it by one more total, and it's the Edmonton Oilers. The Devils are second in chances created in the league. Ironically enough, third is the New York Islanders. <laughs> so if you ask me what that means it means that the devils have a good hockey team yeah. they do but they just can't figure out how to win and how to do it consistently um they start every game on the back foot every single game i think it's like 20 percent of the time they score the first goal oh, that's putrid that's not good. on back-to-backs alone if you took out back-to-backs and the second half of back-to-backs all season long the devils would be in second or third in the metropolitan division they're one eight and like two or one eight and one on the second half of back-to-backs the team is not uh dealing with adversity well and then look, I look across the river to the Rangers, who are eight and zero or eight zero and one or something in in the second half of back to backs. They really rise to the occasion. They feed off of that adversity. They feed off of having uh, their backs against the wall, and that's the difference right now. I think there's mentality issues in the New Jersey Devils that you know you address with coaching. There's been a whole lot of 
uh, controversy surrounding the way Lindy Ruff has been treating specifically Alex Holtz. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've been following along with that saga. He hasn't been getting a lot of playing time. It's Does been he? weird. He's big, it feels like he's just kind of been trapped in that fourth line and yeah. really limited. And it's confusing to me because I think Alexander Holtz is a really nice, young, talented he, player. And if, if the Devils make a move this year, that's a piece that would have a lot of value. He's incredibly, incredibly valuable on the offensive end. Now, defensively, he's not a finished product. And this is why I think Lindy Ruff is challenging him in a similar way to what he did with Jesper Bratt a couple seasons ago where he would limit his ice time, play him with more defensive-minded players so that he would develop a 200-foot game. And now you look at Bratt, and he plays on the penalty kill for the Devils. So I think that there's value in what Lindy Ruff's trying to do. Obviously, he's a smart hockey mind. He's been around the game for the longest time ever. Uh, fourth all-time in wins and coaches currently of active coaches, far and away the most wins out of any coach in the league. So I'm not going to sit here and say that Lindy Ruff is making bad choices, but it's reflecting poorly on the team because Alex Holtz leads the Devils in five-on-five goals, and he's only getting nine, eight minutes some games, and he's on a fourth line, and Nate Bastian's on a third line, and they play the same position. And Nate Bastian, to me, seems like your prototypical fourth liner in the modern NHL. So while Bastian's getting power play time and Holtz is sitting on the bench, people are questioning whether or not Lindy Ruff has the team's best interest in mind for this season. Maybe he's thinking more long-term. He's a developmental coach. It's why the Devils brought him in. Super young squad. They wanted to build towards the future. Maybe do they look differently. Todd McClellan just got fired by the LA Kings, and they're in better shape than the Devils. Even if right now they slid really, really hard, I look at the Devils camp, and I don't know if Lindy Ruff's job is super secure at the moment. Even though he just got extended earlier this season, things aren't looking great. I mean, Lambert got fired, and they're... They're above the they're above, yeah. they're above the yeah. Devils in in the Metro. They've been, uh, I mean, you look at what what fire what, what firing their coach did for the Oilers and what Chris Knobloch has gone and yeah. done for them, and like they've played their best hockey since Knobloch's been. Remember when home. we were saying in the off season that the Rangers should probably bring in Chris Knobloch? I do like it. I mean, listen, I love Lavi Lett, so yeah. I'm not complaining. Yeah. But I, it's it's a shame that he could never work out with the Rangers <laughs> and Knobloch because I do think he's he's a, a fantastic very good coach. coach. I and look for what it's worth, I really loved what Jay Woodcroft did with with the Oilers last year, and I'm I think it's strange that he doesn't have a job yet mm-hmm. because last year was the Oilers the most they ever looked like an actual hockey team and not a team of two guys. Now they look even better than that. Um, they're on a absolute heater at the moment. I st- hey, hey, even the like, we had a long conversation about the Blues firing Barube, and it seems like the yeah. Blues have gotten a little Blues bit of a spark. Where they're in a, a playoff bit. conversation, I thought they were going to be sellers. And like, if I want Buchnevich to be a Ranger, they're going to have to fall off hard because they yeah. played well after their coach got fired. Yeah, and I'm not saying that the Devils need to go and fire their coach. Let's be real about this: their top line of defense is injured long term. Right. Their best player injured long term, and you know they only just brought Andre Palat back. Timo Meyer has been playing the entire season injured. Um, and their goaltenders haven't been making saves. So I can't blame everything on Lindy Ruff, but there is blame to be put. There definitely is. And at what point do you want to focus towards next season more? Because Lindy Ruff is a long-term kind of guy. Mm -hmm. At what point do we, with Hughes being injured and guys just being out, at what point do you sort of put that in? In play because I feel like this Devils team is can still be very competitive. They're only maybe a few pieces away from really being there, but with Lindy Ruff at the helm, that could be a bit of a challenge. Well, and they're only what is it five, seven, yeah. five, six, yeah. seven points out of a playoff spot at the moment with games in hand on some of the teams above. So they're they're not out of a race this year, I would yeah. say. And if they catch fire before the playoffs, and you know maybe I hope for that. I hope that happens. Vanacek yeah. 
catches a streak of good games that that doesn't seem very likely but his record is so positive he's like 16 7 and 1 or something on the year so the devils can win games with bad goaltending um they did it with average goaltending all of last year Vitek Vanacek's the first goalie in devil's history not named Marty Brodeur to win more than 30 games so this could be done and the team is only a little different minus a couple of you know veteran defensive pieces and Ryan Graves and Damon Severson going but you look at the Graves contract in Pittsburgh and it's awful uh you can't hate that you look at Severson's contract in Columbus equally terrible uh I think the Devils made the right moves even if it was going to take growing pains so I think it's 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 fair to ask about do they think about next year I think they were thinking about next year even a year ago um, I think they thought long term. I think this season maybe had to happen for the Devils to learn. You know, Luke Hughes, maybe you had to get walked by Wyatt Johnston in order to <laughs> learn a few things. Maybe Kevin Ball had to play 18 minutes a game to realize what it's like to be an effective defenseman in the National Hockey League. And you don't throw the puck into the offensive team right into their stick in the slot so they can shoot on your goalie who's out of the cage. Uh, these are things that you have to go through in order to be a cup contender in the NHL. You overachieve, you underachieve, and then you achieve. And I think, look, I'm not going to say the Rangers are going to go win the Cup this year, but if you look at what they did two years ago, I would say they overachieved by reaching the Eastern Conference Finals. And then a first-round exit with the players they had last year, they underachieved. I think they're achieving what their ceiling is this year, being first place in the Metro. I don't know if they're a true Cup contender compared to the Panthers, the Bruins, the Hurricanes coming out of the East, but they'll be in that conversation because they built this team with that pedigree. I think the Devils might follow a similar... um, a similar platform, a similar pattern in the years that are coming. And I'm like, I'm not going to discount the injuries. Now, like, injuries happen, but like, Jack Hughes has been out since January 5th. You said that Meyer has been banged up. He missed a ton of this month. Palat missed a ton of this month. You're down Hamilton and Siegenhaler. No sex out. Like, you are one of the most injured teams in the NHL. And they always it, are. It, it makes sense that January wasn't a great month for them. At the same time, it is like time's starting to run out. And I do kind of start to wonder when Matuch says, like, do you start to think about next year that, you know, I've always been big on, like, you know, this team is, there's so much talent. Like, you ha- you have to be a buyer. You have to be in win now every single year. I'm maybe starting to rethink that where it's like, I think your window is probably going to be pretty long with all, with all the young players that you have locked up that it's like, all right, I, I still think that you can go out and you can make moves, but absolutely one of the one of the suggested trades or one of the things that you're gonna say it, Markstrom and Hannafin oh, or no, Mark. I was I was gonna say I was gonna say because I mean uh, we can talk Markstrom and Hannafin, but I had another that would be crazy. I, I had I had a special one that I wanted to bring, oh, up. bring it up. I think obviously you bring in a goaltender like Markstrom, you instantly turn the team around. Right. A goaltender who's gonna come in and have winning pedigree and have confidence. Like none of the goaltenders for the Devils have confidence right now. Akira Schmid got sent down to Utica to build up his confidence and is struggling. <laughs> yeah. He's still struggling. Nico Dawes, you know, is the type of guy who like Schmid comes in and is, isn't phased by stuff, but he just had a big night and gave up six goals to Tampa. Wasn't great. Um I I think one or two of them might have been empty netters, but he didn't look great in that game either. I I I think that the Devils have the pieces there. Right now, they don't even have to bring in anybody to be a good team down the line. Mm-hmm. But if they want to be good now, they can absolutely spend. They have $18 million now with Dougie Hamilton on long-term injured reserve to spend. And they can do that on rentals if they want. And I think there's a cheap rental if they want to bring in a forward, maybe a center who can play on the left wing. That could be you know, a great 200-foot guy, can win face-off, can play power play, can play penalty kill, 
who's got one year left on his contract and is already adored by fans in New Jersey. His name is Adam Henrique. He's on the trade block, and I think he makes so much sense. I've been saying this for months. Obviously, I'm biased. I want to bring him back for amazing reasons. He's a legend. I love that man with all my heart. But it makes so much sense, and I think he makes a lot of sense for the New York Rangers, I was going to say, too. sorry, James. I think he might be a Ranger. <laughs> I, if the day Adam Henrique is a Ranger, I you don't want... Oh my. Can no. you imagine what we'd have to go through if we had Jonathan Quick and Adam Henrique on the Rangers? Or are you going to get I mean, Alec just Martinez, me Alec Martinez next? Like, like, what are we doing? Martin- no, yeah. Listen, I, I actually do really. I think Henrique would be a good fit. He makes a lot of sense it for does, the Devils. To make things serious for a second, I think we ought, like we should break some news since we've last been on the five players associated with yeah, the, the World Juniors Canada scandal. They've been arrested. Michael McLeod facing additional charges. For, let me get the phrasing right exactly here. Michael McLeod facing additional charges. Do you know the exact phrasing? for party to sexual party, assault okay. in addition to sexual assault, which all five, Carter Hart, Dylan Dubé, Michael McLeod, Alex Formanton, and Cal Foote all received. McLeod received an additional charge, which could include um, aiding and abetting to a crime, um, which I think might point to the fact that, I mean, this is speculation and we're going to refrain from speculation after this, which might mean that he's player one, as outlined, which means he may have even coerced into the, the victim into not uh, going to the police or to rescinding her call to the police, um, which is obviously disgusting, and I hope these guys never put on black and red again. I, I think a lot of people are hoping, and I'm certainly hoping that these players don't ever play in the NHL again, and when you find out the investigation, the trial's probably not going to happen until 2026, I think... You can say goodbye to a lot of these players playing in the NHL, and the unfortunate it's time con- to learn Russian. Yeah, the, the unfortunate conversation for the Devils, and this is probably the most cold-hearted and tone-deaf way to look at it, is that it really does hurt this Devils team. Like Michael McLeod, whether you like it or not, was a big part of what the Devils did well this year, and it's a, it's a big loss down the middle for them. And hey, there's nothing you can do about it. Michael McLeod is being arrested and charges for something that is so abhorrent and horrible mm-hmm. that. He shouldn't play in the NHL again if those charges are true. Uh, but the Devils have to now live with the consequences in this moment. I, I th- not only do they live with the consequences of losing you know, a player who played down the line and was you know, reliable as a center, but now they've that's, that's a locker room that now needs some mending mm-hmm. because you've got two players in there. I mean, Cal Foote was a taxi guy between AHL uh, and the NHL for most of his career now, but you look at this team and you think you just lost a guy for what went down that's horrific – how, that 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 takes some mending to do. That's not something that's easy. You know, you just you find something out about a person like that that has been in your locker room, has been a, one of your brothers for several years, who was a big piece in the playoff run last year. That's that's going to hurt a lot of people around him too, and that's another piece of adversity that the Devils are going to have to overcome. Um, but of course, that is not what matters most mm-hmm. here. Um, what matters most is that the victim gets the justice she deserves, and that the people responsible are punished for it. I absolutely hope that. If I hope nothing is true, obviously, because it's abhorrent, but if it is true that these guys go to jail for a long, long time because they absolutely deserve it, and it speaks to hockey culture at large, it speaks to sports culture at large, it speaks to celebrity culture at large, that people with a platform think they can get away with this sort of thing. Um, and I hope that they crack down on it, and I hope that it never has to happen again, but I'm very fearful that it will because it it's happened before. I want to get your guys' thoughts on how the NHL has sort of taken the situation because I feel when there's a – in the sports world, uh, different leagues handle scandals in different ways. 
and I've always been a big fan of how the NHL uh, community can really come together because and uh, MLB Wander Franco he's still out there I mean uh Deshaun Watson still being able to play pro football yeah. I I think there's I guess the way I'm looking at this is I always see a positive when the NHL can band together and really say this isn't right this is what we stand for and I think that's what gives this league a this league a a, a better situation going forward because it's such a team like a uh, like a fan friendly mm-hmm. league where everyone wants to be a part of it and I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on that do you agree with that because I feel like and another league it could be swept under the rug while and this they're bringing it to the forefront I don't know if I'm off on this. But. I I think there's there's things to criticize and there's things to praise. I think the transparency that has come from from Canada recently has been good. That's but what obviously, I obviously yes. but, but with holding this for years. Yeah, Can, is, Canada hockey did yeah. some awful awful things, sweeping this under the rug, potentially using minor hockey registration fees to pay for legal costs to pay off of um, to pay off settlements, which is absolutely disgusting. That means families paying yeah. for their children to play hockey. That money was then taken to pay off settlements. That's not the National Hockey League. What the National Hockey League did, in some cases, was not great in terms of sweeping things under the rug. The whole Kyle Beach situation, I thought they dealt mm-hmm. with horrifically. And I think they kind of passed the buck a little bit, letting each of the teams make their own announcements about these players. I think the Flames are catching a lot of criticism, and deservedly so, for saying Dylan Dubé uh, took a leave of absence for mental health reasons. And it's been coming to light that that's absolutely not what he took uh, a leave of absence for. Um, and I think that they uh, they announced the uh, was it the the Salt Lake uh, expansion? Yeah, uh, yeah on the same on the day. That was same day. Yeah, that was weird. They did it like ten minutes after the news broke. Like immediately, yeah. PR was like, "We need to get good stuff we, out there. We need to get we need to distract people." Out. So uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not necessarily on my. Praise the NHL. Yeah, that was that was a bad phrase. That was a very no, bad phrase. Like, but right. the community as yeah. a whole, I think you're absolutely right. The community is doing a good that's job. I, that's what I was. That's yeah. I, I agree that the, the, com- the community has recognized the flaws in the NHL. Not even with just this situation. I think you go back to uh, what Batman, the Batman outruling a lot of the Pride tape stuff, and how stupid for the most part the community found that, and even going back like the community's outrage over the Kyle Beach scandal. Like mm-hmm. that is. The NHL, I think, has come under just criticism when it's been deserved, and the community continues to hold the NHL accountable. I think it's just still, it still hurts to see that. I mean, this World Junior scandal happened five years ago. Yeah. I know it's, I know it's a shorter time span. Kyle Beach was ten years. Five years is still way too long mm-hmm. for this for people to feel comfortable to come out about this stuff. So it's, it's, it's a shame that. If this stuff is true, it's a shame that any of these players were allowed to play in the NHL for the yeah. amount of time yeah. that they were. Because like it was known that this team was involved with that sort of thing for for years, even yeah. before the what, lawsuit. What makes me kind of sick is that, right? At le- and even in the media, like we've known for at least a year that something happened. Mm-hmm. It rolled juniors because I remember hearing stuff about like is Kale McCarr associated with it? Is he not and all that stuff? But like it's like we've known that there's something. Some of these GMs might have known. Danny Bear trying to ship Carter Hart in the offseason kind of raises some eyebrows about like what exactly did you know about this situation? How much did you how much were you prepared for this outcome? And like what what ethical duties do you have as a GM when you are aware that something might be happening? I think there's a whole really there's weird a, gray area. There, there's there. a conversation yeah. to be had there. I think it's really tough to blame the GMs. Mm. I think a lot of them tried to do like 
tried to do what was right. Like like Danny Briere tried to maybe ship off Carter Hart, but like what what, what can he do really? Yeah. I think Tom Fitzgerald giving Michael McLeod a one year deal that raised a lot of eyebrows mm-hmm. for a lot of people because of the season he had last year might have suggested, might have warranted a longer contract. And I think Tom Fitzgerald was wary to give that um, because he sees he saw maybe potential trade value in McLeod uh, as a guy who's, you know, probably his ceiling is a second-line center who wins a lot of face-off and plays defensively. But he also might have known his association with this whole thing. And I'm not going to blame Tom Fitzgerald because Michael McLeod came out with a statement that he was going to cooperate and that he wasn't involved like a lot of other of these players did. Um but Calfoot and Michael McLeod were both re-signed this offseason. So I, I think it raises eyebrows, but it'd be tough to levy criticism uh, or levy blame to GMs for, for that sort of thing. I, but I, I, I do think there's a conversation to be had for sure. We will continue to update you guys throughout the year as we get more updates. As of right now, I believe a lot of the, inv- in the investigation details are supposed to drop this Monday. And so we'll probably have more to go off, go off of after that. But... Just an awful situation, awful for the league, and you you feel, most importantly, you feel for the victim, if any of that's true, that she had to go through all that yeah. stuff. Uh, we will pivot. It's an, it's an uncomfortable pivot whenever you have to bring that stuff up and then just go back to talking hockey, but we've still got some stuff to talk about. We still have to talk about the Islanders, and the Islanders, like the Devils, like the Rangers, frankly like a lot of the teams in the Metro, had a, had a weird January. They fired Lane Lambert after Seth Jones beats the Islanders in overtime. And, well, Patrick Waugh and the new head coach there wins his first game, but then the Isles drop three straight. I talked to Nick Palmer in class the other day. I was like, hey, what do you think about Waugh? And he kind of did this weird, like, wince, meh kind of reaction. And it, it, it just seems like even though Waugh is at the forefront and he's a much different vibe than Lambert, it's not the end-all, be-all fix for the Islanders. The issues that they had when Lambert was the head coach, some of those issues still exist with Waz, the head coach. And that is probably reasonable and understandable. I think that, well, I agree with Nick that there's definitely something needs to be shaken up and that Waz isn't really the answer they're seeing now. I feel they're in a better situation with Waz than, with, than with Lambert. Lambert. I agree. I think so. Just because... Watching the team play, I feel they're much better defensively. There, were, it would it was a common occurrence with Lambert to have have Ilya have to stop like forty or forty five shots a night. That hasn't happened in the past few games. They're they're still allowing a lot of shots, but which is which is rough. Like uh, in this Panthers game that they just had, first half from the. Uh, First period and halfway through the second period, they were very good at shutting down the Panthers defensively. And then when that that ten minute mark in the second period rolled around, everything sort of f- fell apart. After that point, the Islanders had I think like four shots on goal. The rest of the game, that's how they got their their two goals in the game, which is super lucky. I know how that, that actually sure. happened, but it's like a it's like a half half the hockey team, half the hockey game. They're playing really good hockey, and then the rest sort of falls off. I'll give the Islanders a lot of credit for how good of a team defensively they are. Yeah. Because their goals against above expected is minus 9.48, which only has a couple of teams ahead of them, the likes of which include Vegas, Vancouver, Boston, and Winnipeg. And they're only slightly uh, ahead of um, the Florida Panthers, which means that even when they're expected to give up goals and lose games, they aren't in that way. They're fighting for extra 
chances to stay in games, which is not what a lot of teams can say. If I look at the other end of that list, it includes teams that are as good as the Dallas Stars, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Carolina Hurricanes, and unfortunately the Devils as well. But the point being is that when this team has their backs against the wall is when they're at their best. And that Barry yep. Trotz style that they assumed in the late 2010s has persisted, and people love that. Um, I, I don't know if you saw the Johnny Lazarus uh, take on Pierre Engvall's contract that you, they've got him for, I think it's five, six years maybe, and they were saying, like, is this guy really worth it? But he's beloved there. Mm-hmm. And the Islanders have developed and cultivated this attitude around players that you got to play 200 feet, you got to be a grinder no matter what line you play on. And they have four, I've said this before to Nick Palmer, he loves it, they have four <laughs> identity lines on offense and on defensively. They've got a bunch of grinders. And then you also got Noah Dobson, who's a point-per-game player. Right. I for, for, for what it's worth, I think the Islanders are going to have a tough go of it to stay where they are in the division. But because of that identity that they've cultivated you see it play out in every game like you're saying I don't know how they scored those goals yeah because that's just the way that they are they don't make it look pretty they don't make it look uh super organized every time there it's a chaos style of hockey that not a lot of teams can then keep up with that's why they play this guerrilla style defense that is so effective meanwhile their goals four above expected they're also in the basement where they're minus 14 they're not scoring goals that they're expected to be scoring, which puts them at a chance where, yeah, they give themselves a chance every game, but it's going to be really tight and potentially boring sometimes. But that's because they play chaotically, and it's never going to be open ice. It's always going to be cra- scrappy, crowded hockey, which I think plays into their hands. And to have a coach like Patrick Waugh, who's been around the block, who maybe knows that style of old-school hockey a little bit better than Lane Lambert and maybe more so like Barry Trotz, I think is a good fit on paper. But to have only little less than half the season to put it together seems like it's maybe not the best recipe for Tarazza's success. Tarazza's quote is to get comfortable in uncomfortable situations, and yeah, I, hope Waz, <laughs> I hope Waz I hope is able to you know really get the, this team going. I, I really do like Waz's coaching style, and you saw a few days ago Stefan Rosner had the tweet about Patrick Waz is doing more instructing than I've seen the last two years mm-hmm. in, in one of these practices, and like. That's the benefit of having a guy like Patrick Waugh. I was listening to 32 Thoughts with Friedman and Merrick, and like, they, Patrick Waugh is not just the best goaltender of all time. He's, he's not. He's so a great— uh, Hashik is. He is well, <laughs> Neither of those guys. A good try, though. Marty? Yeah, okay, that's correct. Gotcha. I mean, uh, 691 he, wins. So okay. Someone catch up. Let me rephrase. He's not just a top three, top five goaltender of all time. Top three. Top okay. Three. Yeah. He's yeah, also three. a brilliant— hockey mind that understands the game at all levels, not just from a goaltending perspective. And I think that is something that will pay dividends down the stretch for the Islanders. I'll give you things that both work for and against the Islanders. The things that work against them is that I think when you look at the playoffs on the Eastern Conference, both wild cards are going to come out of the Atlantic. Atlantic is stacked right now. Leafs and Red Wings are at 58 points, and they're not even in the top three. Yeah. So I think if you're... I think maybe applies to the Devils, too. If you're trying to make the playoffs, it might be easier to get the three seed in the Metro than it will be to get the wild card. We'll see what happens with the Leafs and the Wings. The good thing about that is that the Flyers are completely trending in the wrong direction. They've lost five games, and I think they're going to start to fall out. Capitals, I know they're tied with the Devils right now. They're going to start trading pieces, I believe, and I think they're going to fall out. And so I think it's going to be a battle between the Islanders, the Devils, I think the Penguins will stay frisky. I don't really see them selling a ton, but I don't really believe in them either. So I think there's a legitimate chance for one of the Islanders or the Devils to grab this third spot. And I think right now the Islanders have the clear upper hand. They've been playing yeah, better I hockey. I, I, I wouldn't, I, I hate that I'm saying this. I wouldn't count out Pittsburgh 
Yeah, uh, I can't either, man. You can't. Crosby's having yeah. an, inf- an insane year. If you look at five-on-five five hockey, they have the best metrics um, compared to New Jersey and New York. They are sixth in the league at expected goals percentage at five-on-five, five, which means goals against, goals for, expected, and expected goal differential. They're creating chances, and they're playing good hockey. The only teams that are ahead of them are Edmonton, Florida, L.A., Carolina, and Dallas. And L.A.'s numbers have dropped dramatically over the last month, month and a half. I think Pittsburgh, they have Sidney Crosby. They have Evgeny yeah. Malkin. Yeah. They have Chris Letang. And I know Chris Letang scored an own goal two weeks ago. That but was he's, funny. Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> and he laughed it off because he's been around the block. He's got, you know, uh, he's got a couple of rings on his finger. He, he's not too fussed about. Does he have three? Did he win in 09? You would know more than that. I don't know. I think he. he I think he did win three. Okay, I think he's been with them for a minute. Okay. Well, I. You know what? I digress. You that keep po- talking. I'll look at that up. point. Is moot because the the Pittsburgh Penguins they weren't at the dance last year for the first time in forever. That doesn't mean they still don't know how to go and how how to win and how to sneak in. I see a lot of them in Tampa Bay. I see. I think they're very similar teams in terms of their makeup. Um, Sidney Crosby's having a monster season. He's not having a monster season to the level of Nikita Kucherov, mm-hmm. but these two teams to me speaks so similarly because the lightning i think the lightning are going to be one of the wild cards because if they've played so many more games than the leafs and the leafs will probably uh even though i think the leafs are n- not going to do anything in the playoffs i think they're going to leave three games at hand there Le- yeah. leafs got yeah. leafs got a handful of games that are going to come back and bite tampa bay uh in the behind meanwhile pittsburgh are have a game in hand on both new york and new jersey i think yep. and then can go in and maybe sneak into the playoffs they've got a better goal differential than both those teams they've got a better expected goal differential I'll at five on five i'll give you this 49 games for the islanders 46 for the penguins so they're yeah. a game behind yeah. the devils and they're, they're three behind yeah. new york so that's yeah i i think the penguins are I, i've i've been writing them off as like a non-playoff team all year because of what they did last year but I, i'd be foolish to say that they're not in this uh not in this conversation. I would say at this moment more so than New Jersey. They don't have as many injuries. They have better goaltending, and they're playing. Um, they maybe at some metrics they aren't as good at five on five. I'm looking at them here, but for what it's worth, they're more consistent, and I think that's gonna help them in the long run. And so will that experience. All right. Let's uh, unless you have any final thoughts on the Islanders. I think let's end on some fun stuff all around the league. We've got. All-star festivities coming up. I'm hosting a little thing at my house to watch the skills competition tonight, and we've got the all-star games coming up. For what it's worth, I don't know if we've talked about it yet, all-star game jerseys are horrendous. Yeah, they're not good. Uh, yeah, there is no, Maddie no. Bamonte, our one of our co-hosts, one of our members of 5-on-3, was on 1-on-1 one on one the other day, lo- actively looked up the all-star jerseys on the show in audible gasp. So really bad. Not the only jerseys that are awful, because a few days ago they revealed the Stadium Series jerseys. We've been talking about this. Islanders Stadium Series jerseys are awful. Uh, Flyers just didn't try. I don't really... The Devils, I think, tried, and I don't like what they did. And the (laughs) the Rangers are fine. I'm, I'm I'm okay with the Rangers, but... Yeah, I I didn't like any of them. I think the Flyers just have really good jerseys yeah, in general. It's hard so I like the Flyers. Up, yeah. I thought the Isles was pretty bland and boring. I thought the ugly. Yeah, I thought the, I thought the Devils won. I hate the helmets with the big logos. I think mm. they look mm. awful. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the Devils really had an opportunity to do something with maybe the outline of the state of New Jersey as a logo, mm-hmm. and maybe you incorporate the Devils and Jay into that. But it Did is they, what it is. Have they ever done anything with the outline of the state of New Jersey? Not that would be really, really. sick. Uh, as as like pregame warmups, oh. they have some Ooh. really great ones like that. Um, but you know you can't wear those during games. Sure. Um, <laughs> I think the uh, the Rangers. I like the colors. I think the NYR. I don't love. That's fair. But 
I saw some photoshops where they put the like the liberty on it. Yeah, it looked like, pretty sick. Have they, has there ever have they ever done liberty on a white background? I don't think they have. Well, so in the early early two thousands, they they have yeah, white okay. liberty jerseys that are dope. That's what I'm saying. Uh, like, it's missed opportunity. Yeah. It's, I think it's also like I don't know if they're worried about like we do the liberty every single year because it had like the, last year they did the liberty on blue and I hated it. And then the, like a couple years before that they did they brought back the navy liberty. So maybe they're trying to get away from that. One of these years, we're going to get these sick Liberty jerseys, I, and it's going to be awesome. I, I I liked when the Rangers used to wear the 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 navy, and it would say New York, and they would oh, wear that. Yeah. Oh, I, that I, was a classic third jersey. I classic third jersey. I just can, when you when you look at what the Rangers have done with their stadium series jerseys, the 2012 ones. I remember talking with Bobby Chaffordini about that. That cream white with the curved shield. That's logo one of the best winter classics ever. My favorite Rangers jersey of all time, I think. And then even the one the 2017. Would that have been when they played St. Louis? The the Navy with the remember. New York the Navy with the New York in twenty seventeen was really sick too. Mm. So like they've had they've been really good with their outdoor jerseys. And this one is I would say the worst of the three that I've been alive for and remember. So it's still not bad and it's I would still say the best of the four that have been revealed. But I don't mind the Flyers ones either. They, I just think I, yeah. they, I just think it's more or less their away jerseys. I think it's yeah. I would say it's more or less their away jerseys. So it's they lose points for creativity, but they get points because it looks nice. The Islanders had their alumni look at the uh, jerseys, <laughs> mm. and it's so funny watching them just lie through their teeth mm. about their reactions. Like, this is so cool. Oh, this is so dope. This is so incredible. No, I like how there's just like an orange block. Across. I like that. That's really cool. <laughs> it's really boring. It's a boring one. Yeah, not great. I'm not even. I'm really not a big fan of like the the nicknames on the front of the jersey. Yeah, and aerial yeah. text doesn't really yeah. do it for me. Are we excited for the All Star game? Like, I'm not. I don't I think am. I'm going to watch really the All Star game. Doesn't feel like I'm excited for the skills competition. What what peeves me off, and I understand why, is that I feel like the players aren't. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of players yeah. are just like I'm not. I'm not going to All Star weekend. Like yeah. I get Hughes is injured. He's still going to come back. But there are a lot of players just like hey, I'm not going to be there. And like it's the. Like, uh, I guess that you wouldn't want to be in Toronto for your week off. Yeah. No. Why would it's cold. Yeah. I'm going to be excited for one reason. That's Tate McRae. Oh, oh she's yeah. Hot. She's hot. Yeah, no, Tate McRae's really awesome. Hot. And Michael Buble was killing Michael it. Michael Buble oh, was my God. talking about shrooms, and it was hilarious. It yeah. was, it's some of the best con- – it was – you know what? It's the some of the most personality we've seen on some of these uh, NHL yes. draft shows in a minute because I got to say it, it was no – what was it? The 2016 draft where Ovi was trying to get picked last and Felino traded. Yeah, I remember that, that draft was fun. That was funny. And this draft wasn't. They had no idea what was going on. Yeah. They just didn't seem into it. It's like, all right, this is your chance to show some personality. You have a platform, and it just they don't go for it. So yeah, I don't know. I, I'm cautiously optimistic for how this skills competition go. I love the idea of selecting 10 players or whatever mm-hmm. whatever the number is and making them do every single competition to a certain yeah. point and then having the winners go on to some of the like the the courses that they've set up like I think that's going to be really fun and make everything matter a little bit more so I for the first time in a while I'm actually very excited for the skills competition yeah it's going to it's going to have everybody perform everybody or sorry the winners of all the competitions do the shootout and then the winners of those do the obstacle course so I think we're mm-hmm. Maybe can get an answer to say who is the best all arounder mm. in the NHL. I mean, it's 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 an imperfect way of doing that, but you can at least watch it with that in mind. Yes, and I think that's more than we can say about any of the NHL All Star games for quite a while. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be fun to watch. Mm. Just in general, just seeing everyone get out there. It's always a good like little fun thing in the mm. season. I wish mm. the players were taking it more charismatically. But <laughs> Igor had a funny line about like he's like, "Are you excited for the All Star festivities?" And he's like, "I don't really get to do anything, so no." <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, we'll end on Matuchi. You sent us this uh, this little piece from the Athletic. They did the survey, and we've got a. I don't know if there's anything specifically that you want to hit on. There was a lot of stuff, James. You had a lot of audible reactions flipping through this list. Let me I don't open know if it up. Anything. The anonymous players poll going through. The first one. The first thing that I think we we both saw the who's which. What's the player that you want to punch the most? I was surprised to not see Jacob Truba on the list yeah. at all. Nick Cousins. Number one, twenty eight point six percent, which no surprise the way Nick Cousins the has been playing hockey Maple this Leafs year. Voted for that. <laughs> <laughs> Marshand is up there. Both Kachuk brothers are up there. Tom Wilson, way too low for me at one point three six percent. Let's pump those numbers up. He's a he's Evander a Kane is low what. on that list yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Like, how did Con- did Connor Garland really bother more people than Radko There are some Gudis weird names Evander on Kane? this mm. on this list. Yeah. Michael think, Bunting at four percent is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, like that's a little random, isn't it? I want to know who like who comprises like other is the second. I really who yeah, comprises yeah, other? Who's other? Yeah, like we should get some names from there. Who's the most overrated player in the league? Twenty six point seven percent other. Like I kind of yeah, like, like, who are we voting for? Yeah, Zegras got the second place vote, which is kind of fair. I think Darnell Nurse is having a great season, so I wouldn't put him there right now. I think I Jason think, I Jason did, Robertson is, I, is electric. I didn't, has, I didn't look at this list closely enough. Kachuk and Robertson on this list, I don't no like it all. No business being there. Timo, yeah. Timo Meyer's on this list, and he probably deserves it. I would argue Huberto is not overrated because everyone thinks he's awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everyone just thinks yeah. he's bad. Yeah, there you go. Damn. I think I think I think Line Eight deserves to be on this list. I think Dubois is probably you know in the Jonathan Huberto camp where everyone is like this guy is bad right yeah. now and it isn't rating him at all. Uh, I think the most underrated player in the league, Alexander Barkov, being towards the top of that list makes a lot of sense. A lot of, a lot of Panthers don't get enough love. Yeah, Reinhardt, right? Reinhardt's had an awesome there season. Too. Incredible, He's yeah. incredible. Uh, but you better get best goalie in the league, forty-four percent Vasilevsky. I. He's not having a good year. I think I think we're a little bit yeah. beyond Vasilevsky still having that title as the king of the goaltenders. I think that crown is starting to shift. I, think, I don't know I, who. I, I'm looking at the list, and I think there's some guys. There's some guys who are like being given recency bias. Like they have Swayman above the likes of Allmark, and mm. and they have Aiden Hill on this list. So I think the, like those two guys maybe a little bit too much recency bias. And then I'm looking at names like Mark Andre Fleury. And Jordan Binnington and Andre Vasilevsky on this list, who is far and away at the top, and I'm thinking, well, maybe just because those guys have been around the top in their past doesn't mean they're still there. So I don't know. I think I think Thatcher Demko, Sorokin, Shosturkin, and Connor Hellebuck being towards the top makes the most mm-hmm. sense, you know, because those guys deserve it. And Swayman's been amazing this year, so I think he he deserves to be there too. But above Olmark, I think is questionable. Yeah, you know? I did enjoy. San Jose and Arizona absolutely just getting trashed oh, by dragged, by teams, dragged. and then they talked about Winnipeg, and there's like it's just boring, nothing to do there. Mm-hmm. So I that I got a kick out of that. Uh, unless there's anything else that you want to point out before we wrap this up. Nah, man, Winnipeg's a boring city, Winnipeg's I guess. Boring, never yeah. been, and I may never go. Yeah, I don't have any plans in the future to go to Winnipeg. Yeah, Manitoba is not. Maybe I'll hit up Toronto at some point. Yeah. I'd like to go. I'd Mont- like to Montreal out. was a great time. Went Tro- to spring break Toronto's- Montreal last year was awesome. Great place. I'd yeah. like to check out Vancouver. Mo- yeah, for, for sure. A lot of cool places in for Canada sure. I'd like to check out. Tron- I gotta get my passport. Toronto is yeah. one of the most beautiful cities that I've ever been in. Yeah. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. Just because you, you get the, the highway elevated going through downtown and you're mm-hmm. with all the buildings up high it's fun that's pretty cool it's a fun little weekend trip from buffalo it's like an hour away so that's awesome. i bought it there once in a while all right well boys first episode of february i think that just about does it james burley michael matuch i'm lou orlando our radio producer today was ralph barbarian shout out to gino alva 
stepping in because Thanks, boys. We, poor Ralph, we went too long and he had to go yeah. to class. But we appreciate you guys in the back of the studio. We're eating into a little bit of your time. So we'll wrap this one up. As always, 5 on 3 is a production of WFV Sports. Take it easy, everyone.